Well, if you have your Bible this morning, you will turn back to what book? First Peter. So go ahead and turn back to First Peter, please. We're going to be in chapter 3. Um, but this morning, we're going to kind of continue with what's going on in the book of First Peter. So if you'll turn to chapter 3, and last week we read verses 8 through 12. So I'm just going to read those again. Uh, and Peter is saying, Finally, all of you have a unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. He says, Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for this is what you are called to do, that you may obtain a blessing. Verse 10, For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him, verse 11, turn away from evil and do good, and let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes, verse 12, of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. Now, of course, Brother Neely passed away this week, and I do want to share with you something that was said afterwards, or at least between people speaking of Brother Neely. And, uh, and I, I think they were trying to articulate, at the, I mean, Margaret, I think, but we were trying to articulate what kind of life he lived. And, um, and we can say because he, is, he was a man or a person like we are, that we know that Brother Neely was not without sin, but what we do know is he sought every day to live a righteous life. And righteous means living rightly towards God in your decisions. Um, and we can look throughout Scripture and see tons of people that really messed up. Uh, we think of all the, the, the big spiritual names, Hebrews 11 gives us that hall of the, the hall of fame of, of people throughout all of biblical history and and what they accomplished and and as you're looking at that you're seeing that there are people like like us that that had failures and people like us that sinned but but yet they sought every day to be like Christ or to be godly looking forward to Christ in the Old Testament and, and so I just want to say looking at this verse and and, re, and reflecting on brother Neely this morning as we begin this scripture it says the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers I believe when Brother Neely prayed, uh, God heard his prayers. Because from all evidences, every fruit of his life that could be seen, he sought to be godly. And he sought to live a life that reflected Christ in him. And I just want to say as we kind of wrap up last week's message, between verses 11 and 12, that if we really want God to hear us, let's make sure that we are actually living for him and seeking his righteousness. Um, I love the verses on prayer where it says you have not because you ask not. But when you ask, you ask what? Amiss. Because you're seeking to get something from God um, that he may not want you to have. And so I just, I just love the imagery there. And the last part of that verse, uh, which is evident, but the face of the Lord is against those who do what? Who do evil. Um, so, so we should be surprised for those that do evil that God just does not seem to answer their prayers. He hinders their prayers, those that seek after evil instead of seeking after him. So we come to verse 13. Peter is talking to them again. And um, just it's really a continuation of, of his thoughts. And really, the last two chapters that we're going to be dealing with really in some ways are a summary or a repeat of everything that Peter has already said. It says, Now... Who is there, verse 13, to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. 
Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, verse 15, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, verse 16. Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, and that should be God's will, than for doing evil. So let's go through the scripture quickly this morning. So as we're thinking about this and thinking about what Peter's saying, first off, he says this in more of a common sense way. Who in general is going to harm you for doing good? Think about that for just a moment. Who is going to harm you for being honest? for being trustworthy, for working as unto the Lord in your job and loving your spouse and loving your children and making sure not only your home is taken care of, but the needs of those around you. In general, what he's saying is, who in their right mind will want to harm somebody who is just trying to be consistent, faithful, and productive? And we can think of people in our life that really match those criteria. There, there are people that they work hard and they are honest and they will just give, the, give you the shirt off their back to help you out. Okay, And, and you, you would never want to speak ill of them because of the way that they live their life. But the truth is there are circumstances to where even if you are living that kind of life, you may very well experience persecution. In fact, if you look throughout this world, you've got many places where people experience persecution. I think the saddest thing to me is to see people that are just simply going to church in their community and they're being gunned down at their church or their church is being blown up in some other places or in China and some of these other countries where they're taking people that profess to be Christians and they're locking them up or in North Korea where they're taking people who claim Christ and they're, they're actually putting them in labor camps. You know, the thing is, the truth about it is, is these people are in love with Jesus and these people are truthfully, honestly, just trying to live, as Scripture points out, that quiet consistent, godly, righteous life, but the community and the society that they're in, they see that as a problem. And so when Peter says here, who's going to harm you in general for doing good? Normally people don't bother you for doing good, but he also says there may be instances where you're going to suffer. And if you suffer, just know that God is going to bless you. Now, again, is he going to bless you in your suffering? In other words, if you're in pain, if you're in hurt and you're in agony, is he going to release that pain, that hurt, and that agony? Again, we just kind of go back to what Peter's been saying the last couple of weeks. God is trying to change you, and he may change your circumstances, but he may very well leave you where you're at. And the Christian mindset is that I may not get a blessing here, but I know that I will get a blessing in the world to come. Because the reality of Scripture is that God does not promise us peace, security, and health here. But He does promise us on the other side of the grave that there is a place where we won't have any more body aches. Where we won't have any more tears. Where we'll never see anybody die again. Where we will be happy each and every day. And here's the thing. No matter what sickness you have gone through, you know it looks better when you feel better, right? 
You look back and say, I don't want to go through that again. I don't want to suffer through that again. But on the other side of that, we look back and think, that was bad, but I feel pretty good today. Just imagine what it's going to be like in heaven. Oh, that cancer was bad. Oh, that heart disease was bad. Oh, that suffering that I went through was bad. Oh, that job situation was bad. Oh, my home bringing was bad. Whatever the case is, was bad. But on this side of glory, on this side of the grave, guess what? God is going to bless you. God is going to recognize you for consistently thinking about your relationship with Him and seeking to live a righteous life. doesn't mean you're going to get it now, but it does mean you will get it eventually. You see, we are, we are the people at, that are really as of but not yet. We experience blessings of Christ now. And we experience bits and pieces of heaven in this world that God allows us to experience. But basically, God in Christ has put, us, put a deposit down for us that will be fulfilled later on in life. And I don't like to use this analogy because this, to me, takes away the beauty of it. But think about it in some sense as a spiritual layaway. To where God, throughout your time here, God has, God has made a deposit in the blood of Christ for you that is going to be permanent, that's going to be going throughout. But as you walk with Christ, you're sanctified in that moment, but He is consistently making you day by day into the image of Christ. And so God is continuing to make payment in your life. God is continuing to add something to your life. God is continuing to give you the strength to make it through. And then at death, if Jesus doesn't come back first, He basically redeems that, that He's already put the deposit on, and He takes you home. Because now you are His. So I don't want to say that it's like a layaway. But really what God has done is put a deposit down on us. And each day that we live as we seek to be God-like. He's making that deposit in our lives. He's filling that spiritual bank. He's filling that the needs that we have. And on the day when He's ready for us to come home. The ticket's going to be drawn. The last breath is going to be taken. And as we exhale that last breath. We inhale the breath in eternity with God. That is the blessing that we see in Scripture. That is the hope that we have. We cannot find eternal hope in this temporary world. No matter how hard we may want it. No matter how hard we try. So he says, if you do good, great. If you do good, who in the right mind is going to criticize somebody who does good? But even if you should suffer, he says you're going to be blessed. He says this, Have no fear in them, nor be troubled, but in your heart's honor, Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. So it says here, as we're going through this again, he says that when something happens to you, don't be troubled. Again, it's easier said than done. But he says, don't be troubled. Okay? Basically, what God's saying here is, I got your back. Okay, I'm here for you. I'm going to be here with you. I want to support you. And the reality is, even the worst things that happen to you don't happen to you without God allowing it to happen. Now, God is not the author of evil. In other words, sin in this world, God did not create that sin. But God allows that in this time to run rampant. And there are things that happen to you that God does allow to happen to you. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, there are certain situations to where all you can do is trust, even in this horrible situation that nobody else would want, that God, you have a reason for putting me through this. 
There are things in this world that I think I can handle. But there are things in this world, if I'm going to be honest, it would be very difficult to go through, to see something, me go through something, see someone that I love go through something. Um, and there's a lot of nasty and despicable things in this world. But what God said, the promise that God has for us, and this is just amazing to me, is that no matter how bad it is, that heaven and eternity with God is so much greater that even the worst thing that can happen to you here will dim in comparison. So, and I can think, and I'm not going to speak them because Lord knows I, I don't want to have, have these things come into my life. And I'm not a superstitious person, but I, I, I can just think of a couple of things right now that I would never want to have happen to me or my children or the people that I love. But just the amazing thing that as horrible as those things are, that God's love for us and eternity is so much greater than those evil things in our life. Not just that they equally balance, but that the worst that can happen to us is here and the greatness of God is up into the stars. That's that's the difference that we see. Not only should we not be scared, but we should also look there in the Scripture, be prepared to give a defense to anyone who asks you for reason for the hope that is in you. Now, we all have different temperaments, okay? Some of you are very quick-tempered. Or you know somebody who's very quick-tempered. And it doesn't take much to tick them off. I had family members like that. You could look at somebody the wrong way. You know, I've had teachers at school like that. Have y'all had teachers like that? You're like, good morning. They're like, sit down. And you're like, whoa, I didn't know that was coming. Um, That's happened. Uh, I've met people that their disposition, they're just easy going. It just seems to be the way they're wired. Somebody hits your car. It's okay, I have insurance. Somebody hit your cat. That's okay. I want a dog. Uh, you know, they're just laid back, you know. And it just seems to be how they're wired. This isn't talking about how you're wired, okay. What this scripture is saying, when, when, when you have to give an account for the hope that is within you, okay. The hope that God's going to make everything right. The, the hope that, that, that you're going through this and there is purpose in what you're going through. What he's saying here is that you need to be ready to tell them why you have faith in God. Why it is through this tribulation you are still holding on to hope. A scripture, and there's a song that I really would like to share with you guys. It's just a difficult song to sing. Um, but, but it goes back to where Job was basically going through all of that in his life. For those of you that may not be familiar, Job lost his, his wealth. He lost his health. He lost children. And, and he was sitting there. And, and the whole reason he was going through this was because he was being tested. And the devil said, I'm, I'm going to test him. And God said, well, you know, Job's going to be able to make it through. And he kept testing. And he didn't, then, he, then he had these numbskull friends who were going and giving him horrible advice. And his wife was giving him horrible advice. And then there's a scripture that says this. Though he slay me, yet I will praise him. Though God allow all of these horrible things to happen to me, I'm still going to praise Him because He knows what's going to happen in the end. So to be always to be ready to give a response 
to the reason you are going through what you're going through to say at the end of the day, I may not understand this circumstance, but I know I have a God that loves me. I may not know why I'm going through what I'm going through, but I know I have a God who cares. I don't have a clue how God can make something of this mess. But you know what? I trust that God can do it. When everybody else around you wants to curse God, you are the one to be blessing God and thanking God that though you are going through this, you will save me in the end. And really, it's even what he says here in verse 17. It is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing what? Evil. So it's better to suffer knowing that you're making the right decision than to just go ahead and decide to do evil because it's easier. To go ahead and do something that you know is ungodly because it's easier to do. I want to share with you the words of Paul as he spoke to Timothy and really along the same lines as this. And Paul was speaking to Timothy about his ministry and his preaching. And, and just listen to the words from 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says this, I charge you, verse 1, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearance and appearing in his kingdom, he says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they're going to turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And then Paul speaking about his limited time left on this earth. He says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He said, henceforth there is laid for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day and not only to me also to all who loved his appearing. What happened to Paul? He was martyred. He was killed because he believed in Jesus. What happened to just about every other disciple? From what we know church history, every other disciple, I believe there's maybe one exception, but every other disciple that we know was killed or in some way died because of their faith in Christ. And what's amazing is Paul is knowing his time has come and basically he's telling Timothy this, keep preaching Christ. Keep living Christ. Keep trusting Christ and fulfill what God has for you to do in the time that you have left. To live a life that is pleasing to God. Who is to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Having a good conscience always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason the hope that is in you. It's not important that they understand the hope that is within you. It's important that you understand the hope that is within you. And God may use that to put the hope in them. But Lord forbid the church of Jesus Christ does not understand the hope that they are to have 
in Jesus. Let's pray together. God, we thank you again for this day.